And welcome back to another edition of the Canal Street Chronicles podcast series. My name is Shem Hanks. I will be your host this morning, evening, afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. Today we're going to be going over some news, some notes from both the Saints and around the league. We are at the three-quarter point in the NFL season. Every team has four games remaining. So we're going to do a little bit of a rewind look back on the last 12 games. I am going to give you my offensive MVP and defensive MVP for the Saints, as well as the MVP of the NFL and offensive and defensive players of the year, at least through three quarters of the year, four highly important games (laughs) for some of the teams out there. Other teams, it's one of those where you, you want to win, but also at the same time, every time you do win, you hurt your future stock in the draft, unless you're the Chicago Bears, in which case, well, Oakland hopes that you lose every game from here on out. Now, since the last time I talked to y'all, the Saints won. They got their revenge game against Atlanta. Great Thursday night Thanksgiving fodder. Hopefully everyone out there enjoyed their Thanksgiving. I know I certainly did. I had to go to three, but on the third one to be able to see a Saints win is obviously better than the alternative. Especially when you consider, as I was saying last week, that I had to watch it with a Falcons fan. So, hey, he was impressed with the Saints. The Saints are his Super Bowl pick from the NFC. Just just so y'all know. FYI. Unfortunately, leaving that game, two linebackers, AJ Klein and Kiko Alonso, were both injured. I'll talk to everyone throughout the week as more information comes out about those particular injuries. But the big news was that the Saints brought in a familiar face. Monteteo is back in town. Former Irishman is going to be adding some much-needed depth at linebacker for the Saints squad. Teo was with the Saints last year. He has not been with the team since then. Kind of makes you wonder exactly what he has in the tank, considering no one else actually wanted to take a chance on him. But I will gladly speak for all of us out there that we hope that Teo comes in. Great replacement level player. And linebacker continues to be a force for this team as they make the stretch run. By beating the Falcons, though, the Saints won the division. They're here. We're going into week 14. And the Saints have already won their division. Wrapped up. See you later. Bye-bye. Right now, they're fighting for a bye week for round one. Obviously, the Seahawks made a statement win by beating Minnesota on Monday night. But the 49ers are going to be in town this week for what could be the game of the year. Everyone was hyping that Niners-Baltimore game last week, obviously, because that could be a Super Bowl matchup. But we're looking at what could be an NFC conference championship game in the Saints and the Niners this week. Saints, Seahawks, Niners all 10 and 2 at this point. It's looking like an NFC West team is going to get a first round bye and hopefully the Saints do as well, but if you look in the rearview mirror, 
not all that far away is the Packers should the Saints falter over these final four games where they are playing the Niners this week, then they've got the Colts, then they got Tennessee, and then they finish it out with Carolina. Speaking of Carolina, how about Ron Rivera? That was pretty much a complete shock, complete shock for me. I did not see that coming during the season. I thought Rivera was going to be a candidate for in the offseason to maybe get replaced, but I didn't think that the owner in Carolina would honestly have the stones to be able to pull the trigger and actually fire a nine-year head coach for that team, the winningest coach in franchise history, guy who got you to Super Bowl 50, and to talk about mediocrity and then to fire him. I thought if I would have put a bet on it, it would have been that Rivera was going to be with that team for one more year where next year was going to be the make-it-or-break-it year with potentially a new quarterback. Kyle Allen has really faltered over the last couple of weeks. I don't feel like I'm going out on a limb by saying that Cam Newton's not the answer, and you're going into a loaded quarterback draft this particular year. So interesting to see where Carolina goes and how do they use utilize the prime of Christian McCaffrey's career. Now, there were a bevy of moves made. Now, to sign Monteteo back, you had to cut tight end Dan Arnold, who had just been activated in week seven. Looking at the practice squad, the Saints have waived fullback Ricky Ortiz and have re-signed tackle Nate Wozniak to their practice squad. Then another team note with moves is that Keith Kirkwood will not be playing with the Saints this year. His practice period has run up before being able to return from injury reserve. The team would have had to have signed him. They didn't. We're not going to see Keith Kirkwood this year, which is tough. Every Saints fan that I talk to, the one thing they want to talk about is who is going to be that second pass catcher behind Michael Thomas. Right now, it's Alvin Kamara. And then it's Jared Cook right after that. But we're not seeing anything from Ted Ginn. We're not seeing anything from Traquan Smith. My concern is if the Saints ever have to throw their way back into a game, who are they going to go to if Michael Thomas is triple teamed, which isn't outside the realm of possibility. It's what I would do if I was a defensive coordinator, just try to put everyone on Michael Thomas and... As we've seen in previous games in that scenario, Drew Brees just checks down to Alvin Kamara down the field. But this is a massive problem. Does Drew Brees still have the arm strength to push it down the field? And if he does, who is the person that he is going to go down the field for? Jared Cook's getting a little bit older. Kamara's coming out of the backfield. He's not going to be giving you a ton of deep yards. And Michael Thomas is the best wide receiver in the league, and everyone's treating him that way. So somebody has to step up for this team. Obviously, wide receiver is going to be something that they're going to be addressing in the draft or in free agency, and most likely both. But for all those out there who were hoping Keith Kirkwood was going to come back, keep dreaming, because that ain't happening this year. Yeah, so I'm going to give you a few more pieces of news and notes from around the league. 
big news today is that Eli Manning is probably going to be starting for the New York Giants once again. Team has won two games. They're playing the Eagles on Monday night. Question I have is, is Pat Shermer going to make it to Tuesday? And I just saw this, is that Josh Jacobs, the Raiders' first-round running back, has been playing through a shoulder fracture. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say he's a tough guy. Now let's transition, talk a little bit about the last three quarters of a season. Who has been the Offensive Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year for the Saints? Let's start on offense, because that's the easy one, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas isn't having a good season. He's having an all-time great season, 110 receptions, over 1,200 receiving yards. Only six touchdowns, though. I am surprised to see that with a couple of different quarterbacks playing this year, only 21 total touchdowns for the team receiving through Week 13. He is obviously the team leader in receiving touchdowns. He is the best offensive player. Number two, I'm going to give it to Ryan Ramshack. There's been injuries everywhere else on the roster. And so Michael Thomas, Ryan Ramshack, I feel like they've really been the buoys to help keep this team afloat. And not just floating, but thriving through a year. Let's look over at the defensive side of the ball. Where, yeah, I'm just going to give it to Cameron Jordan. Cam Jordan has been the defensive player of the year for the Saints through the first three quarters of the year. He is second in the NFL with 13 and a half sacks. And while the other guys around him, Shaq Barrett, Chandler Jones, TJ Watt, Preston Smith, they're all stand-up 3-4 linebackers. Cam Jordan does it as a true 4-3 down lineman. One of the best in the league being able to stop the run and get to the passer. Truly a special talent and one of the all-time great Saints defenders at this point in his career. At number two and three, close, close race for me between Von Bell and Demario Davis. I'm going to give it to Von Bell. I'm going to put him at number two, but Demario Davis, he is going to be the one bolstering that linebacker core that is very much banged up at this point and has a lot of questions. Von Bell has been that consistent player in the back end, him and Marcus Williams as our safeties. And what's been so impressive to me about this year, about this Saints team, is that on offense, on defense, there's been injuries just up and down the roster. But each and every week, the guys who are there, they come together, they get the big win, they do what they need to do, they're well coached. And that's why it always blows my mind that national news outlets, people who are doing power rankings, doing national shows, they want to talk about every other team but the Saints. This team is truly scary going into the last four games of the year. And hopefully they will be able to prove that against the Niners. All right, I'm going to give you my... MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, and Defensive Player of the Year as well for the NFL. Now, you might not want to know who I think is the MVP or Defensive Player of the Year. You're here on Canal Street Chronicles. You want to hear about the Saints, but hey, I'm the one on the microphone, so I'm going to go ahead and take this moment to let you know who I have for MVP, 
defensive player of the year and then offensive player as well all right let's start on the defensive side of the football real quick at number five i've got arizona linebacker jordan hicks jordan hicks second in the nfl in total tackles has one and a half sacks a couple of forced fumbles and three three interceptions as a linebacker at number four, I've got T.J. Watt, who is also number four in the NFL in total sacks. He has forced five fumbles and has also had an interception. Fluky stat, he also has recovered three fumbles, which that's always interesting to see as well. At number three, I have Corey Littleton. Corey Littleton of the LA Rams, I think he's having a very underrated season. I thought that he was having a very underrated season last year. Has over 100 tackles, four tackles for a loss, four quarterback hits, has a couple of sacks, a couple of fumbles, a couple of interceptions. At number two, I've got Joe Schobert of the Cleveland Browns. If you've watched the Cleveland Browns play over the last few weeks, you can't help but see Joe Schobert all over the field. 103 total tackles, but more impressively, he is number three in the NFL in solo tackles. Where it's him, it's a running back, one-on-one, he's taking him down. He's forced a couple of fumbles as well as having four interceptions, once again, as a middle linebacker, which I find impressive. If you can be tied for second in the NFL in interceptions as a middle linebacker, you're having a really good season, especially for that team with Miles Garrett not being there. Joe Schobert, good job. And at number one, the guy who was my defensive player of the year through the first quarter of the season didn't make the list at midway point in the season and is now my defensive player of the year through three quarters of the season and that is Shaq Barrett. Leading the NFL in total sacks at 14 and a half is leading the NFL in total fumbles forced at six. Oh yeah, also has an interception. He is tied for third in the league at tackles for loss and is tied for third in the league for total quarterback hits. This guy's an absolute wrecking ball, came out of nowhere, took a shot on himself, Decided not to be a backup in Denver anymore. Went to Tampa, 27 years old, leading the NFL in sacks. This is the type of story that makes me just love sports even more. This is improbable that he would be having this good of a year. And it's too bad that Tampa's not very good because more people don't get to see the type of special player that Shaq Barrett has become. I think the Defensive Player of the Year race is incredibly close. I know somebody's going to ask me where I've got Cam Jordan. Right now, I have him at number 10, which is incredible. He's a top 10 guy for Defensive Player of the Year, a race that's always way closer than what people actually want to give it credit for. With that, all right, so MVP is going to be an offensive player until somebody has like 25 sack season. And... Usually, Offensive Player of the Year goes to the skill position guy who is the highest scoring in the MVP vote that isn't a quarterback. If, spoiler alert, 
Lamar Jackson didn't win MVP this year. I'd imagine with the year that he's having rushing the ball that he would be the offensive player of the year, and he still might be the offensive player of the year with MVP, but I don't think they will. I'll just say this. I've got Michael Thomas at number seven, and that Michael Thomas is number seven in my mind in MVP voting goes to show just that incredible year that he's having and really showing that the Saints team would be in a deep pile of hurt if Michael Thomas wasn't the special player that he is. But with that, at five, I've got Deshaun Watson. Big win against New England this last week. At number four, I've got Russell Wilson. Sneaky over the last few weeks, Russell Wilson hasn't been as good as a lot of people are giving him credit for. Obviously, if you watch Booger McFarland on on Monday Night Football, he can't help but talk about Russell Wilson in his horrible mic'd up segment. But Wilson has definitely come down to earth after his monster start to the year. At number three, I've got Dak Prescott. Talis might make the playoffs and have a home game as a 500 team, but Dak Prescott has had an impressive year. He is about to make some money from Jerry Jones. At number two, I have Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is second in the NFL in total rushing yards, tied for first in touchdowns, number one in yards from scrimmage. He is number one in total touchdowns with 16, and he's done that with only one fumble. Also, he's fifth in the NFL in receptions. Fifth, only Keenan Allen, Julian Edelman, DeAndre Hopkins, and Michael Thomas are ahead of him. Remember, he's a running back. He's caught 75 passes out of the backfield to go along with 1,100 yards. He is your offensive player of the year through three quarters of the season. And at number one, Lamar Jackson. He's beat the best teams. He's not having necessarily a great passing here. He's getting touchdowns, and he has just under a 1,000 yards rushing, when if you combine that with his passing yards, he's at the top of the league. And he has seven rushing touchdowns to go along with it. Lamar's starting to run away with this award, and it'll be interesting to see if anyone can catch up to him over the last four weeks of the year. All right, everyone, I'll be back with you later on the week to talk some injury report. I'll give you a couple of my thoughts about the Niners game as we get you ready for a big matchup on Sunday. All right, so with that, who dat? Talk to y'all later. Bye.